want to welcome all those by way of television here to all of it, United Methodist Church. It's a great privilege to come and share Christ with you, one and all. And if you want to speak at all of it, you can come and use the pulpit. Thank you for your prayers, your presence by way of television and radio. It's a great opportunity that we have to go on radio and, and television. Services are kind of like a smorgasbord. We begin with our lighting of the Advent candles. And would Kurt and Julie please come forward, make their way to the front. And it's a great privilege because so many people enjoy lay participation. And we try to accentuate that here at All of it. Because when you view lay people sharing lay things, you can associate with lay people because you're a lay person yourself. God says, go out into the world. Matthew chapter 28, go and make disciples of all nations. And at this time, Kurt, could you introduce Julie and then kind of summarize why you chose what you chose to share with us this morning? You're a former biker, I trust you. Yeah, yeah I'll keep it between the ditches, as we say. Yes, uh, my name's Kurt, and this is my sweetheart, Julie, the love of my life. Julie is mother of three and grandmother of, I can't, I can't even remember how many. Nine. Four. And Julie and I met many years ago, and she is, for me, the embodiment of what a spiritual being is. And she is also a churchgoer, and she probably gets the award for driving the farthest to get here. But I might be wrong, because she comes all the way from Mound, Minnesota, so that's out there. I chose some scriptures today because this is the angel candle, the fourth candle is the angel candle, so we'll be sharing some thoughts around that. Plus, uh, we're also going to have a short prayer after. And with no further ado, lighting the candle we will do. My feet show it. They're long fellows. It's all downhill from here. Yeah, that's the tough part. Because... Uh, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let, let it shine. shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let, let, it it shine. let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, hide it under a bush, oh no. I'm gonna let it shine. Glory. Glory, yeah, the, the uh, fourth candle represents joy or triumph. And this candle exhibits a transition in the season of Advent away from repentance and to celebration. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, and the angel appears to Mary. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, Mike will be expounding on this a little later. <laughs> what occurs to me is uh, the light of the world is a phrase Jesus used to describe himself and his disciples in the New Testament. The phrase is recorded in the Gospels of Matthew and John, and it is closely related to the parables of salt 
and light and lamp under a bushel. I am the light of the world, John H. 12, verse. Jesus spoke to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So uh, Mark 21 through 25, a lamp under a bushel basket. And he said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not on a stand? For there is nothing hid except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, take heed what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get, and still more. Now, this parable appears in three of the canonical Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I encourage everyone to let your light shine. Don't hide it. The world needs it now more than ever. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, that those who come in may see light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But when it is evil, your body is full of darkness. With no further ado, that's my thoughts for the day. Those are my thoughts. And uh, now we're going to hear from lovely Julie. Much better half. <laughs> my name is Julie, and I'm going to read today. And so we arrive at Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year. But Christmas isn't a mere celebration of an overnight occurrence or the commemoration of a sudden intervention. No, the arrival of Messiah Jesus was an eternity in the making. Jesus came to us and for us when the set time had fully come, Galatians 4.04. What an extraordinary thing to consider, the timeless one, who for all eternity existed outside the realm of time, entered time to bring eternity to us. This is the peace and promise of Christmas. It's not a dot on a line, it's the line itself. The story reaches back into eternity, past to show the plans and purposes of the Father and the Son. The story passes through time to the cross and the resurrection, and it stretches forward into eternity future. As we've seen, Jesus came on a mission, a rescue mission. Paul's full statement explains, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Galatians 4, 4, 5. This rescue mission was the ultimate expression of God's love and concern for a world that was broken and in rebellion, a world filled with people like us. It was the Father's ultimate expression of his longing to restore us to himself and bring us home. As the most famous verse in the Bible invites, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only son, excuse me, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that's John 3.16. How the Easter story completes the Christmas story. For through Jesus' death and resurrection, we're offered meaningful life now and eternal life in the Father's house. 
This is the real, true Christmas story. The story will last forever. We invite you to place your trust in him today for the most wonderful Christmas. That's my girl. <laughs> yeah, she is a light to so many. And for now, let us pray. Dear Lord of all light, we are so thankful to be able to gather in your house. And as we face a certain amount of persecution for even wanting to gather, give us courage to carry on. Lead us to be the shining light to the world, which needs your love and salvation more than ever. In your glorious name we pray. Amen. Shalom and alleluia. Shalom and peace. Glory. Glory. Amen. Behind every um, great woman, there's a not so bad guy. Glorious. Father, we just want to thank you this morning. Nehemiah 8.10 reminds us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah the prophet warned his followers that even months death and in destruction to his followers and to his family and the martial law of the day and the fraud and the phoniness, Nehemiah reminded the people, Nehemiah 8.10, that the joy, the joy of the Lord is their strength. We come this Sunday, Father, just before Christmas Eve and we just want that joy of the joy candle. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that joy is not dependent upon circumstances. Happiness maybe, but joy, the J-O-Y is Jesus first, others second, and yourself third. We thank you, Father, for those by way of television that may be hospitalized, that may be shot in, those who are in prison. We thank you for the ministry of our church. We thank you for the recent award that all of it received because of their steadfastness. An award that honors the church for carrying out the faithfulness of scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Father, we just pray that from the pew to the pulpit, the sacredness of your holy word, scripture, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience would be honored. We thank you for those that assemble in this church during the week, along with all of it, Methodist, J-Hop, Twin Cities House of Prayer, and Robin Child here. We thank you, Father, for the faithfulness of those who, by way of television and radio and Facebook and YouTube and other means of communication, that we can get out the word through the faithfulness and the giving of the time and the talents and the treasures. We pray your blessings upon our, our music and faithfulness of the word in our Wednesday night Bible studies and and as we look forward to Christmas Eve services at 315 we pray that you would bless us amidst the awkwardness and the difficulties of this China virus. We realize that China is a great threat. That anybody that has anything to do with China is a great threat according to Revelations. And on Wednesday evenings we've talked about the various antichrists that try to have some form of allegiance or affiliation with China, that China is ultimately 
totally against Christianity. There's no other country in the world that, that hates Christianity, that hates Christians, that hates the word of God. Father, we come against that demonic spirit. We come against any of those who have any affiliation with China and the virus. Deliver us, Lord, into right thinking. Help us not to fall prey. Help us to be true believers, true believers of the true gospel, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. As you taught us to pray, saying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, it's a great honor and privilege to introduce our special music, Gary and Kathy Gross, accompanied by Clarice and Mike you, and Kurt. You may want to make your way up to the pulpit to be prepared to share scripture. Kurt and Mike will just move everything along and just pack everything in for an hour.
wow, how wonderful is it to have the joyful noise of singing voices back. Thank you. And greetings, loved ones. Uh, I'm going to share the gospel, and it's uh, from the gospel according to Luke. It's, uh, I believe in your inserts. Luke 1, starting with 26, uh, what I read might be a little different because I'm reading from the, the big book up here with the large print. <laughs> In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be the great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth and her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. I feel led to add one verse from Isaiah at this time. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And peace I leave with you, my friends. Shalom. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. Um, many may not know it, but the angel Gabriel had just visited uh, Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom, with maternal news and told her that she would have a baby as well. You have to think about it. When the angel Gabriel came down to Mary, this was a teenager, a young girl. She'd never been married, never done the things married people should do. And uh, it's just a really great example of how God can use the smallest, most insignificant things and use them for his grand purpose. Betrothal, don't misunderstand, is is it's very similar to our in what we call engagement. It's a two two step marriage process used by the Jewish people back then. 
in what I said about God using being in the small things too. One more good reason. We should be thankful for absolutely, positively everything that we have or control in our lives. We, we can't say, oh, this is from God, this is insignificant. Nothing is insignificant with God. Nothing. The smallest thing you can find by accident or do at home has a big meaning sometimes. We may not know it. Now, the common human emotion for the presence of an angel is fear. Now, Elizabeth was taken aback when Gabriel appeared to her. And she was so taken aback, she didn't grasp the meaning or the purpose of the words the angel was saying to her. Initially, that is. She got it, but it was after she got over her shock. But in verse 32 and 33, the angel gave Mary a message from which all true Christianity takes root and is mand mandatory for the Christian doctrine. I'll paraphrase here, but the angel tells Mary that she was become, I'll say, unconventionally pregnant by God, and that her baby, she, should, she will name Jesus, will be great. He added that Jesus will be the son of the Most High, God, and he'll rule over the house of Jacob for eternity. The Lord's kingdom is eternal, has no end. Mary was a little bit taken aback, confused, and she really couldn't, she didn't initially grasp what was going on, so she said, how can this be since I've never been married? You have to understand, she was a, a good young woman. Sleeping with your partner was to be done after marriage. And she was compliant to that. But the angel's reply to her question to him was as prophetical as it was truthful. He said the Holy Spirit will be with her and the power of the Most High will overshadow her, overshadow her and therefore the child that is to be born will be holy or the Son of God. The word holy means separate. Jesus was born holy or separate because he was not the result of a man and woman getting together. The root of Christian doctrine relies on this very fact. Verse 36 lets us know that John the Baptist and Jesus, they were cousins. Elizabeth was older, barren, and unable to have children when Gabriel delivered the baby news to her. Gabriel's message emphasized the prophecy by reminding Mary that nothing is impossible with God. Keep that in context. This doesn't mean we get everything we want. It means we will get everything we need. In verse 38, Mary exemplifies her faithful Indian in young innocence. She simply replied to the angel, Behold, I am a handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. With this innocent and submissive reply to the angel, the angel left. Amen. Would you stand with me for a word of prayer, please? Thank you, Gary and Kathy, and thanks, Kurt and Mike, for that. Father, we just want to stand on your promises today. We pray that from pulpit to pew to television station to radio station to Facebook podcast that there would be no interruption of your truth in your life and your way because you are truly 
the truth, the life, and the way. We stand on these promises. Help us to be authentic and true and genuine Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. It's kind of a tragedy that's going on in the world today, folks. People, even within the church, don't realize the holdingness to the worldwide views. Americans who hold to the biblical worldwide um, view on the world is, is declining terribly. New research from George Barna indicates that the percentage of Americans, percentage of Americans who hold a biblical worldview has declined yet again. It's declined to under 10% of Americans hold to a biblical view. Biblical view, for those who may not know it, is a view of the world that is informed by scripture. John Wesley, the father of Methodism, tried to reestablish a biblical view during those dark ages that he preached. And he developed that, what was referred to as a quadrilateral approach. And he felt that we should all filter our understandings of the times through scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Say it with me, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. As Barna explained, people nowadays, they seem to do what they believe. They do what they believe. And the same holds true for how we engage politically. We do what we feel. For example, someone whose worldwide view believes humanity was created by some intelligent design will think about questions related to the human dignity of life, that all unborn life has rights. It's not only black lives, red and yellow, as Jesus said, red and yellow, black and white, or we sing that song, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in Jesus' sight. It's related to this human dignity very differently than someone who believes human beings are the um, result of some random chance. I've known Christians that have read their Bible many years, but it seems like they have no understanding. I interview these people and I ask them a little bit about the Christmas story and they can't even identify Gabriel. Gabriel is the angel, Gabriel. Christians whose worldview is shaped by scripture believe that all people, all people, unborn and born, are made in God's image and have inherent value and inherent dignity. Therefore, many Christians advocate for pro-life policies in the public square. Perhaps this explains why the Bible describes the end-time character to be that outlined in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and Romans chapter 1 is Christians in name only. They don't practice what they preach. One, of, one out of five churches in America, Barna says, may, may not make it. One out of five. 20%. During the lockdowns, many churches have experienced this precipitous drop in giving and 
there are still some states that are putting very strict restrictions on church gatherings. I have brothers and sisters in the Lord in some of those liberal democratic states like California that they can't even worship and they're being fined when individuals find them gathering in their churches. This has had absolutely devastating impact on many church budgets and, and there have been widespread outbreaks. We, we have never seen anything like this before and things have already gotten so bad that Barna group presidents, President David Kennan and his, Dr. David Kennan is projecting that one out of every five churches in America will not make it during the next 18 months. Confidence among pastors in their, their churches that they'll make it through the pandemic has declined from more than 70% in, in May to around 50% now. That means seven-tenths of the people in May felt the church will make it, but but it's only one out of every two now, 50%. And unfortunately, so many bright lights that that are giving hope to people are, are starting to go out. And that the trend is only going to intensify as our economic problems become ever more serious going into the next year. We need the church. That is an essential for hope and joy and the essence of the candles of light. And we need another angelic message like Gabriel brought to Mary and Joseph. The child is born. Good news. We need the church more than ever as an essential part of our lives. Average American family are being filmed by 238 cameras a week. Each of us, as we're about, are being observed by 238 cameras. And the study was authored by the safety Safety.com, safety.com security teams, which found that the average American is filmed by security cameras more than 238 times a week, a number that has increased rapidly and is only expected to continue, and continue recognition is pushed throughout our society. Big Brother wants to know exactly what we're doing. CNBC News and a number of the other so-called fake fraudulent news net networks that there will be an estimated one billion, one billion security cameras filming around the world by 2021. And with somewhere between 18 and 20% of those being in the United States alone. Now, when calculated on a per-person basis, this is, uh, is the second highest ratio of security cameras to the population in the world. 
CBS News reported in 2019 that the United States was only second to China. China. The United States has at least one security camera filming for every 4.6 people compared to one camera for every four people in China. Now this is setting the stage for the surveillance of the Antichrist and all of the minor Antichrists during the tribulation from which the church will be absent, will be raptured out. And the, there's this tremendous advent of the cashless society that's even amongst the Christians. Some of the very prominent churches have auto pay by their parishioners. Where even after the Christians are raptured out of the world, and if the Christians have money still in their account, some of those liberal churches can take out of their account through auto pay. The Corona's pandemic, the China virus has accelerated the trend towards a, a cashless society and economy. Financial experts say we are buoyed, held up by the growth of a commerce and guidance to rent retail workers in response to the pandemic have encouraged the use of touchless, touchless payment options when available cash withdrawals from ATMs have plunged 25% nationwide during the early weeks of the pandemic. One out of four people have chosen not to use touchy-feely things in making deposits or withdrawals according to industry figures. And the electronic transfer industry has hailed the growth of a cashless economy as a consumer-driven trend and expects it will continue as a nation adapts in living with the pandemic. And about 30%, 30% of business owners reported an increase in contactless payments. Big finance is a key driver moving us in this cashless society. You've noticed that banks have been slowly closing branches. One of the busiest Wells Fargo branch, Brooklyn Boulevard, that I and many others, we just pull in. It's convenient either after church or before church during the week. And there's always long lines there. It's closed. Big finance is a key driver moving us to this cashless society. You've noticed banks and ATMs and branches closing and, and, and they're doing so in an effort to nudge us more towards that digital platform. This saves them labor. It saves them a lot of real estate costs and it improves their bottom line. Occasionally I pass that big conglomerate target on 610, very few of our businesses, very few of my business associates do their business in their office any longer, it's done at home. And to add to this scenario, 
Amazon has created a new way for customers to make purchases with just their palm, just their palm. The new hand recognition technology called Amazon One, Amazon One, is currently available in two of the Amazon Go, Amazon Go stores located in Seattle, Washington. And by, by holding their palms above the device, patrons can enter secure areas and pay for items without cash or without credit card. These, these people are clueless, and many of Christians are clueless that they are being set, in, set up for the stage of the um, beast empire. And you'll be hearing more about it in the future, about the reset, the reset, which I think brings us to our scripture. We have in these verses an announcement, an announcement, marvelous event that ever happened in the world, the incarnation and the birth of Jesus Christ, the fraudulent and the fake news are trying to destroy you and I from the good news. Just as Herod and many tried to destroy the first advent of Jesus. We should notice in the first place here, this passage of scripture, which we should always read with mingled, a mingled sense of wonder and, and love and praise. They're very lovely and unassuming manner in which the savior of humankind came among us. The angel Gabriel, Gabriel, who announced Jesus's advent, was sent to an obscure town of Galilee named Nazareth. And the woman who was honored to be our Lord's mother was evidently a very humble, humble person of life. But in her station of life is probably just a 12 or 13 year old and Joseph being in his early to mid-teens, 15, 16, a few years older. But as you remember, growing up, there was a great distance between those 12-year-olds and those 15-year-olds. We need not hesitate to conclude that, that there was a, a wise providence in, in all these arrangements. The Almighty Council, and I too love Isaiah chapter 40, and I like that expanded version where it said, mighty counselor, counselor, comforter, consoler, almighty God, and prince of peace. The almighty counsel, which orders all things in heaven and earth, could just as easily have appointed Jerusalem to be the council, Jerusalem to be the place of Mary's residence as Nazareth, or could as easily have chosen the daughter of, of some rich scribe to be our Lord's mother. But God chose a, a poor woman, a preteen, and but it, it seemed good that it should be done this way. The first advent of the Messiah was to be an advent of humiliation, of humbleness. That humiliation, humbleness was to begin even from the time of his conception, his conception and birth. 
And let us beware of despising poverty in others and to be ashamed of it. I grew up in poverty. I didn't realize it because nobody told me. Being ashamed of poverty, if God lays it upon that person, the condition of life which Jesus voluntarily chose ought always to be regarded with some sense of holy reverence. The, the common tendency of the day is to bow down before the rich and, and make an idol of, of prosperity and money ought to be carefully resisted and discouraged. The example of our Lord Jesus Christ is a sufficient answer to a thousand of those who thousand maxims about wealth which which pass current among us second corinthians chapter 7 verse 9 though jesus was rich yet for our sakes jesus became poor let us admire the um, amazing condescension of the son of god the heir of all things not only took our nature upon himself, but Jesus took it in the most humbling form in which it could have been assumed. It, it would have been condescension to come on earth as even a king and kings. It was a miracle of mercy passing our comprehension to come on earth as a poor person, to be despised and and suffer and die. Let Jesus' love constrain us to live not to ourselves, but to live to Jesus. Let Jesus' example daily bring home to our conscience the precept of Scripture, according to Romans chapter 7, verse 16, that mind not the high things, but consent, and consent to us of low estate. We should notice in the um, second place the high privilege. It was truly a high privilege of the Virgin Mary, the language which the angel Gabriel, angel Gabriel ad addressed to Mary is very remarkable. Gabriel calls her highly, highly favored. Gabriel tells Mary that the Lord is with her. And Gabriel says to her, blessed, Blessed art thou, thou amongst women. Now, it's a well-known fact that the Roman Catholic Church pays an honor to the Virgin Mary that's hardly inferior to that which it pays to her blessed son, Jesus. She um, formally decla is declared by the Roman Catholic Church to be conceived without sin. She herself conceived without sin. Mary is held up in Roman Catholics as an object of worship, prayed to as a mediator, between God and us, no less powerful than Christ himself. For all this being remembered, there, there's not the slightest warrant and reason for belief of this in scripture. There is no warrant or belief in the verses before us now. There's no warrant in any other part of God's word. But while we say this, we, we must in fairness admit that no woman was ever so highly honored as the Mother Mary of our Lord. And it's evidence that one woman out of countless millions of the human race could be the means whereby God 
could be manifest in the flesh. And the Virgin Mary had the mighty privilege of being that one. By one woman, sin and death were brought into the world at the beginning. And by the childbearing of one woman, life and immortality were, were brought to light when Christ was born. And no wonder that this, was, this woman was called highly favored and blessed. But one thing in connection with this subject should never be forgotten by Christians, that there is a relationship to Christ within reach of all of us. You by way of television and radio and YouTube and all other means of the iPods, uh, there's a relationship to Christ which each of us all, a relationship far nearer than that of flesh and blood and, and parents, a relationship far nearer than any of flesh and blood, a relationship that belongs to all those who repent, who repent and believe. Jesus says, whosoever shall do the will of God, whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. Blessed is a womb that bore thee, was the saying of a woman one day that came up to Jesus, blessed. She said, blessed is a womb that bare thee, was the saying of a woman one day. But what was the reply of Jesus? You remember the reply of Jesus? Jesus says, yea, rather blessed, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God. And on hearing it, they keep it. They keep it. Luke chapter 11, verse 27. And we should notice finally in these verses the glorious account of our Lord Jesus Christ, which the angel Gabriel, Gabriel gives to Mary. Every part of the account is full of deep meaning and deserve our closest attention. Jesus said, Jesus shall be great, says Gabriel. And of Jesus' greatness, we know something already. Jesus was brought to us the great salvation. Jesus has shown himself a prophet greater than Moses. Jesus is this great high priest. And Jesus shall be greater still when he shall be owned as a king. Jesus shall be called the son of the highest, says Gabriel. Gabriel. Jesus was so before. Jesus was so before Jesus came into the world equal to the Father in all things. Jesus was from all eternity the Son of God, but Jesus was to be known and acknowledged as such by, by the church. The Messiah, Jesus, was to be recognized and, and worshipped as nothing less than the very God, very God. And the Lord God shall give unto Jesus the throne of the father David, says Gabriel. And Gabriel says, Jesus shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. The literal fulfillment of this part of the promise has come. Israel is being gathered. Israel has Jerusalem currently as their, their capital. No worries and fears of being shared 
hopefully, the Jews are restored to their own land and to, to look to Jesus, whom they once pierced as, as their king and their God. And though the accomplishment of this prediction tarries, we, we may confidently wait for it. The fulfillment, the second coming of Christ, according to Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 3, it shall surely come one day and it shall not tarry. Finally, says Gabriel, of the kingdom of Jesus there shall be no end. Before Jesus' glorious kingdom, the empires of this world shall one day go down and pass away like Nineveh and Babylon, Egypt, Tyre, Carthage, and many other civilizations, and I hope that the U.S. has something to play in the protection of Israel. Otherwise, we'll be destroyed. The Christian, the true believer, will be raptured. We won't endure the tribulation and shall all come to nothing one day, and, and the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom. And before Jesus, every knee shall bow one day, and every tongue shall confess that he is the Lord. Jesus' kingdom above all shall prove an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion, and this dominion is not the world dominion, and the dominion that the fake and the fraud villains have used to try to destroy our elections. Interesting why they use that word dominion. But scripturally, according to Daniel chapter 7, 14 and 27, and Jesus' dominion, that which shall not pass away. Father, this morning, with every head bowed and every Christian in prayer, that the true Christians should often dwell on this glorious promise and take comfort in its contents. We are at no cause to be ashamed of Jesus. Poor and despised, as we may often feel, for the gospel's sake, we may feel assured that Jesus is the one conquering side. There may be battles lost here upon earth, but the ultimate war will be won by Jesus. The kingdoms of this world shall yet become the kingdoms of Christ. Yet a little time and Jesus shall come, will come and will not tarry according to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37. And for that blessed day, let us patiently wait and watch and pray. Wait and watch and pray. Now is the time for carrying the cross and for following with Christ's sufferings. The day draws near when Christ shall take his great power and reign and, and when all who have served Jesus faithfully shall ex exchange a cross for a crown. There may be those by way of television or radio or iPod or Facebook that if they're uncertain, they, they're a think-so Christian or a feel-so or a hope-so Christian, but they've never activated their form of repentance in their heart, and it's never really moved from their heart to their head and to their pocketbook and to their being. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, as we dedicate and rededicate our lives to Christ, would you pray these words with me? Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Give me the strength to repent. Come into my heart and life through your Holy Spirit. Empower me, O Lord, to share your good news with my time, my talents, and my treasures. In Jesus' name.
you would turn with me to our offertory prayer printed in our bulletins just before we stand for the doxology. Would you pray this prayer with me? Gracious and generous God, we offer our gifts to you, knowing full well we have devoted so much more energy into finding the gifts for our families and much less on the gifts we offer to you. You gave Mary, an unmarried girl, a son, and so the world might have a savior. Her response was so simple. Here am I, a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. May her affirmation of faith and obedience be the gift we offer this day. In Christ we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Father God, we just want to thank you for the privilege and the, the opportunities to share the good news of Christ. And the good news during this time is the birth of Jesus Christ, but more so the rebirth of Jesus Christ in our hearts through spiritual renewal. As we make these claims and these commitments and these convictions, help them to be incarnated in our lives. Help them to become flesh and blood and as we yield to thee, in Jesus' name, may we go and apart with the blessings of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. sing Christmas Eve. Happy birthday to Jesus, right? Amen. Thank you. Thank you so very much. She One, two, three, four. Hey, Sarah, amen. You're dismissed. Sarah's going to share Christmas Eve. 